0: Welcome to My Therapist is Out, an Open Space Therapy Collective podcast. We are your hub for queer and trans mental health care. Each episode, we'll speak with one of our therapists or collective members and chat about a mental health topic using a queer lens. And I am your host, Renee Johnson, licensed professional clinical counselor, art therapist, and founder of Open Space Therapy Collective. This week, we are chatting with therapist Kristen Crow. Kristen is a licensed professional clinical counselor in California and is a dance movement therapist. Kristen specializes in working with couples, poly and ethical non-monogamy and sex therapy. As we dive into today's topic, please keep in mind that this is a mental health podcast and we will talk about sensitive issues. If you would like to be informed of any trigger warnings, please read the podcast description shake it out here we go squiggle brains we uh welcome to my therapist is out i am renee johnson and we are here today with our therapist kristen crow and we are part of the open space therapy collective how are you doing today it's a hot one here
1: it is really hot and uh yeah i'm
0: good how are you i'm doing okay i'm um feeling it's appropriate for our topic today because I am feeling uh squiggly brained a little bit more than usual today
1: yeah I like I I love and hate my squiggle brain <laughs>
0: <laughs> so if you've guessed our topic today is all about neurodiversity and what it is and what it's not and all of the things in between um so maybe to like set the scene and this is all over the place on TikTok in the last like few years and big in discussions. And sometimes it's being communicated about correctly and sometimes it's not. And so we are gonna do our best to hone in on what we work on it in therapy and how we see it and what it is versus what it's not. So to set the scene, how would you define neurodiversity?
1: Uh, that it's a unique way that some people's brains work mm-hmm. <laughs> and being neurodivergent is different than being quote neurotypical, which is a quote average brain. And I'm going to keep using quotes yeah. because who really knows what average or normal means anyway?
0: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and we'll get into that. We had a a colleague post a very um, interesting question earlier this week that I think is relevant to our topic. But I I think that neurodivergence in sweeping strokes is um, brains that problem solve a little bit differently, think creatively a little bit differently, um, don't have the standard and we're gonna just speak from American culture cause that's where we are and what we're used mm-hmm. to, um, don't necessarily work within the standard American ways of learning and working um, focusing. and focusing. Um, and that can mean a lot of things. And that doesn't, and we'll get into that a little bit, um, mm-hmm. but some of the labels that go with these um, are autism, um, ADHD, uh I put OCD in a neurodivergent space, Uh, dyslexia is in a neurodivergent space. What am I missing?
1: Uh, Even some mental health ones are. Mm -hmm. Uh, Social anxiety, specifically. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. There are several others, my brain feels
0: squiggly with those. (laughs) I drank some coffee. Yeah. So, something that we use um, in the way we talk about it often will be like squiggly brain or neurospicy spicy brain, um, cause it's just more fun um, it's more and fun. Uh, feels in your body. It typically feels for us that it's a little more squiggly and a little more movement. Um, so as we bring that up, what are some things that examples that might be cues that there's some neurodivergence happening for you? Ooh. so the
1: first thing that really comes to mind is like, when you were a kid, (laughs) were you shamed for like, not being able to sit still or being too daydreamy or being too, uh, like couldn't focus or you're talking too much or, uh, in some like assigned female, were you too quiet or too. Uh, Were you the model student? I feel like a lot of those were indicators, like, as kids that might have gotten mixed or or missed or pointed out that Mm -hmm. could have been
0: neuro-spicy things. Yeah, totally. And sometimes it's, like, I'm thinking of somebody that close to me that I grew up with that has a different type of neuro-spicy, but he would constantly get scolded for focusing on the thing he was interested in in the classroom versus what, what what the class had moved on to and was getting taught, mm-hmm. um, which we have, now that we're out of the 80s, have figured out, oh, that's probably in the neurodivergent space, not him being a jerk as a kid, because kids aren't jerks. They're just kids. Yeah, there's that. Yeah. How does it show up, or what do you notice that it shows up? as adults and like how does it differ from somebody who's assigned male, assigned female in the gender expansive space because the same title can be used for things that show up differently in different types of people.
1: Yeah, I feel like There are so many different things. Which one of them do you want to focus on? And I feel like there's a thing right there is that I have decision paralysis sometimes um, and I can't decide which one I want to follow Um, or I'm noticing as I get older that I will complete my own sentences in my brain and not out loud or start them in my brain and finish them out loud um and people often have no idea what i'm talking about because i'm talking to myself in my head um uh, it's just a, a long running monologue of things um i don't even remember wow i i think i need more coffee to be honest uh <laughs> actually help me focus and i have not had enough sorry my
0: bad no well let's <laughs> maybe let's talk about, cause we're both neurodivergent people. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're both neurodivergent people in different ways. Mm-hmm. In some ways there's an overlap. Uh, I also share the, I start and finish sentence in part of it inside my head and part of it outside my head. Um, but I'm somebody with dyslexia and I did not realize it until, uh, after grad school, um, that, that was actually what was happening. Um, and you have a different flavor of the neurospiciness. if you want to talk about that.
1: Yeah. And I, uh, I have not been formally diagnosed, which we'll also get into kind of that space. Mm-hmm. But I definitely identify with a lot more ADHD tendencies, which I also didn't notice until after grad school, mm-hmm. um, Kind of always just thought this is the way people's brains worked. And as I started to do more adulting things, I was like, oh, my executive function is not what I thought it should be, could be. <laughs>
0: yeah. yeah. Um, and I think, you know, even if you listen to the way you and I talk on the podcast, you can hear some of, like, once you start paying attention, you can hear some of this coming out. Um, and uh, not to out, Debbie as well. But Debbie is also somebody who's neurodivergent. And so I, one of the fun things is the three of us can riff off, off each other, but if you throw a fourth person in who doesn't have the same thing, they could struggle a little bit to uh, adjust to our conversation style.
1: Yeah, we definitely have gotten to the points in our relationship collectively um, that we can finish each other's sentences. Like if you start saying something and it's in mid-sentence, I can mostly fill in what you were talking about. <laughs>
0: mm-hmm. yeah. Which is lovely. It is. It's for really that. helpful because the rest of that sentence was going to happen inside my head anyway. Yeah. Yeah, but I heard it for you. It's so- yeah. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. What was it about, well, maybe, maybe we need to define executive functioning, um, but what is it about signs that you were realizing that your executive functioning wasn't necessarily what was happening for everybody.
1: Um, people pointing stuff out to me in ways that maybe weren't always super kind, um, but also realizing like, I do I do a lot of things. Like just my general human existence is I do a lot of things, um, but I never realized the amount of things was also kind of an adhd tendency one Mm -hmm. um two i started noticing that despite always having been a busy human um that i was forgetting things a lot more because i was not i didn't have the structure that i'd created for myself um my social anxiety got a lot worse Mm -hmm. because i couldn't figure out how to like social cues were different now (laughs) outside in the world um Decision paralysis is a thing. There's a lot. And I think just a lot of these things, um, you know, like you hear, you see a thing on Instagram or on TikTok and you're like, yeah, that that feels familiar. But then you go do some research and I'm like, oh no, these things have been happening my entire life. They just looked different. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: Yeah. Yeah. What, what was school like for you? Um, School was great. I didn't have to work at anything. And I know that sounds really ridiculous, but I was really highly invested in like doing well in certain things. And then in college, when I got less interested in some stuff, I'm like, oh, I'm really good at some things. And I really just hate other things. And I didn't do any of it, period. Mm -hmm. I think grad school was pretty similar. If I didn't like the professor or whatever, I
0: didn't try. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And some of that is like normal. Yeah. And some of that is like an inability to, to be able to focus on those things.
1: Yeah. I literally would fall asleep. Well, that's kind of some, there are other things in there, but like, I would fall asleep while trying to read some of that stuff. And I'm like, I'm perfectly awake and would go read 10 other chapters
0: of something else that was much more interesting and engaging. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) How, and I think you know, being really good at school is a good example of that a lot of um, AFAB people experience is they'll they'll have ADHD, but they'll be able to use that hyper focus that can come with it in school settings. Um, because the way AFAB people are kind of um, brought up to be good little girls in the world, um, so that's
1: socially programmed, but
0: sure. Yes. Uh, that that shows up is a hyper focus for um, little afab people where little AMAB people they tend to be more bouncy off the walls and and harder to quote unquote control and um, will get punished a lot more,
1: yeah, so even though the it's the um, hyper focus or like lack of focus, right? They're praised in one situation and not in the other. and it shows adhd specifically if that's what we're talking about shows up differently mm-hmm. depending on those hormones and things mm-hmm. biologically
0: mm-hmm. so yeah and i like i think this is something that our psychology field in general and medical field in general we don't understand it very well yet not uh, at- we've got some like cues and ideas but it's still something that's um, that the whole field is really working to understand. And there's a lot of question marks in general, mm-hmm. which is also part of why, like, as a human in the world, it can be hard to be like, is it ADHD? Is it trauma? Is it, maybe I just don't want to do this um, and mm-hmm. tough to figure those things out.
1: Yeah. And I feel like, um, I feel like that sort of segues into what we were thinking about, like the, diagnosis piece of it like Mm -hmm. even if you even if you go through all of these assessments maybe something doesn't fit for you or you really do see all these things on TikTok and that's what you know it goes through like self-diagnosis is a valid assessment right like Mm -hmm. if you feel like you have these uh, traits then we work on those and we find new tools to help manage them better and maybe even in the assessment you the way that these things are, you need making these numbers up five out of seven of these traits and you only have four. Well, that doesn't mean that like those four traits aren't causing you distress in daily life. Yeah,
0: yeah. the diagnostic criteria for these things are um, rigid and are interpreted differently by, depending on what professional you're sitting in front of. And even if you're sitting in front of somebody who's like a fantastic, let's say a psychologist who is trained at doing these type of assessments, Um, you and I are not trained at doing these type of assessments, we're trained in like helping you live your life with with whatever's coming up. Um, If you're sitting with somebody who's a good person at this and you've got four out of the seven when you need five, that person's gonna be like, hey, you're one short, but there's a lot of gray area in two of these that you don't quite meet. So this actually may still be what is diagnosable for you. That's if you have a good one. Yeah, if you have a good one. Um, I know for me with dyslexia, I think part of it is, I think in school was I would be like learning the how to spell words and the teacher was oh you just sound it out and that's how you spell it I have this very distinct memory of being like oh great then I don't have to look at the letters move around on the screen anymore I can just sound it out and write it down and I flunked every spelling thing I've ever done and still do um but I didn't have because I was so young I didn't have the language to to say that and so was put in classes on how to do this. And like you as a little person, like I understood enough to how to make people leave me alone uh, that they could tell I was trying and just not getting it. Um, But even in like as an adult and things that I've realized later on is um, I think in pictures, I don't think in dialogue and I don't think in words and will often take me a minute. um, And I I try and tell this to clients when I'm first meeting them is I'll often say like, okay, how do I wanna say that? Isn't about, I wanna be gentle to the client because I'm gonna say something really tough. It's, I need to translate the images that are in my head into words and then structure those words in the opposite way that they're in my head to communicate them to you so they make sense to you. Um, And this was like, I think really pointed out When I'll try and describe something to people off the cuff, like in non therapy language, but like with my partner or a friend, or like, hey, I want to do this thing, da 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 da. And I get these like looks like I'm trying to track what you're saying. I think that came out backwards. I'm confused. And so, like, I'll have to slow down and like rearrange the way that the words are put together. Um, but there was a long time where I was just like, well, I must just be stupid because I don't get this or I can't write a paper or um, I have never understood the way that like you structure a sentence. that doesn't make sense to me. Um, and it wasn't until much later and after lots of ways of like learning how to fake it through college um, mm-hmm. and still getting passing grades that I was like, wait a minute, there's a thing happening here
1: yeah definitely i think we definitely (laughs) this feels like it goes into the other one i'm making fast connections today probably faster than we're actually going um but i do relate to i also have a slight auditory processing disorder (laughs) Um, so when sometimes when you say something i will just ask what i heard you (laughs) But what is my way of being like, I need a second to process what you're saying. And then as like, you're saying your sentence again, I'll just answer you because zero impulse control. Um, and like, I, I process the sentence and now I'd like to say it. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, but it, mine usually comes for the, I'm going to take a deep breath and just like nod mm-hmm. and then I have a sentence after it let mine filter through my Mm -hmm. words
0: Mm -hmm. yeah it's it's as somebody who's known you for a long time it's nice at this point to know that's what's happening and just in conversations to like know when you're when you have the look of like i need a minute to process this and that that's like okay Kristen just needs a beat oh wait and then it comes out um which I think is also something you've communicated to me very clearly at multiple points. Um, And as part of, as neurodivergent people, something that we can do to the people around us, whether they're neurodivergent or not, um, to be like, hey, here's a thing that I do, this is what it means. Because if you don't say that, people can read all sorts of other things into it. You're not paying attention, you don't care, uh, you're not that smart, you are, you know, the list goes on and on and on. We've all heard it. Bullshit. Nonsense. Bullshit. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Um, what about medication? How does medication play into neurodivergence? It can be
1: helpful and it might not be helpful. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you don't need it to manage it all the time and it's helpful for some people. Um, yeah. I have some friends who swear up and down that this is the medication is exactly what they need and it helps them so much. And I have others that are like, this was absolutely the worst thing ever. And I don't want to play this game anymore. I'm just going to figure out how to manage um, yeah. these traits and these things. Um, and then there are other things like I've mentioned caffeine multiple times, like mm-hmm. that's that's a stimulant. Is it prescribed to me? No, but I'd sure drink a lot of coffee. And I notice when I don't drink coffee, I am much more, um, you believe it. I am much more scattered. Mm-hmm. Um, so different
0: chemicals
1: play with everybody's level of spicy differently. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. I think that's one thing as we've talked to um, uh, Mikey, who's the psych MP that we have on here periodically. Um, and we should maybe do a medication follow-up with him about this. Who's He is also a neurodivergent person, Um, not seeing a trend. Uh, (laughs) He, one thing that he's helped me understand is when you have hyperactivity as part of your neurodivergence, stimulants respond very differently in your body than people who don't have hyperactivity as part of their, their body makeup. Um, And so how coffee is going to affect you is going to be very different than it'll affect me. I get jittery. And like, you've seen me, like there was a podcast maybe two months ago. I'm like, Oh no, I had too much coffee. And it was just like shaking. And we're like, Oh my God, I'm terrified of you. Um, (laughs) Where I'm sure you had probably four times as much coffee as I did. And are just like calm and collected and and focused. Mm -hmm. Um, So it's really (laughs) important to not just be like, this medication works for ADHD. This medication works for autism. This, like, that's not, that's not, not how it works. No. And especially, like I think there's a lot of then associated mental health things that come in with neurodivergence. And like, anxiety is a big one, right? Like If you've got sensory stuff, you're going to be more prone to anxiety because you're overwhelmed by the sensory stuff. Um, And so you might get a medication that treats the anxiety and then you are able to process and handle the sensory stuff more, but that medication isn't treating the sensory stuff. Yeah.
1: Yep. So it's just, it isn't gonna do any of those things. And what you were saying was making me think about um, like with with the autism piece, like, there are so many different things that could be causing the anxiety that is triggered by the social thing right like mm-hmm. not understanding social cues and then not knowing what you're supposed to do with the social cues and how mm-hmm. and so like you're playing this whole thing in your head while everybody else is moving on this conversation and you're like "Well, mm-hmm. hold on a minute i don't know what's mm-hmm. going on. i don't know how to do any of the things with the body that people are looking at <laughs> and then what mm-hmm. does my brain do and then what does my mouth say And then everyone Mm. else is like, what are you doing? Like, uh, Mm.
0: mm. trying, trying, yeah, confused. It is. And that's where like, you know, and I'm even thinking of like, um, OCD and like the, the cyclical thinking, like medication can really help with that cyclical thinking. So -hmm. it can get you out of that loop. So you can attend to the other things that are happening. Um, social life, being able to clean your apartment, uh, being able to focus, um, make decisions that are actually your decisions versus getting into a ruminative thinking pattern. Mm-hmm. What do you think causes neurodivergence? I
1: have no idea. Yeah,
0: <laughs> nobody does. I
1: think that's zero idea.
0: Yeah. That's where they we hear all these like just off the wall unfounded things like vaccines cause autism. No, they don't. That's no, they don't. been proven forty five times. More than but, that. Yeah. But because nobody has something to point to, yes. then those things stick because people want answers for this stuff.
1: Yeah. And I mean, there are some things that sound like they might be plausible, but like we don't have enough proof of anything that I want to be like, I stand behind any of this because I don't yet. I'm curious. (laughs) I'd love to know how this does this. Uh, But, (laughs) you know, until then, I'm going to learn how to manage it. And I'm really lucky to be (laughs) surrounded by people who give me a lot of grace for it.
0: Mm -hmm. So we're just going to go with that. Yeah. And that's a lot of what we do in therapy is really like okay what's coming up and how do we get you some more tools and learn on your strengths that are working for you so you can move forward and do what you want to do
1: Mm -hmm. i feel like a lot of these things is also like i I use this a lot with mostly you probably but like i throw spaghetti at a wall i'm like does it stick yet okay (laughs) if that's not the thing that sticks to be a helpful tool then throw it out there is no reason that like, just because one person t- says like, this is the thing that's supposed to heal these, whatever. Mm-hmm. And like, if it doesn't work, don't use it. Don't use that. There is yeah. no one size fits all for literally anything, but especially
0: this. Yeah. yeah. And I think that's really tough for people who are coming into our offices when they're like, I want, tell me the answer to fix this thing. And it's like, i there is no roadmap. Like we're going to try a bunch of stuff mm-hmm. and we're going to see which ones are sticky noodles. Mm-hmm. And like a lot of them might not be. Um, and it's, it's a really frustrating process to mm-hmm. have the stamina to keep trying. Absolutely. Just a lot
1: of dry noodles on the floor. <laughs> it's pasta. Okay. This is-
0: <laughs> Seriously. Um, Let's end with this question. And I think what um, our colleague Issa Gauchi brought up right, relates to this is, is neurodiversity a disability?
1: So what I had been ruminating on is something that Isa posted about, um, I will not quote this directly because I can't and it's not in front of me, but it's, um, is anybody really neurotypical or um, are there just privileges in place that help support some people and not others? Mm-hmm. Like, are there societal um, like, roadblocks or stumbling blocks that are knocked oh. down for some mm-hmm. people because they have the power
0: and the privilege of it? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I... Mean, <I'm- laughs> Yeah, it's, this is such a tough, and I love the question that this poses, because it's, it's, I think, yes and no, Mm -hmm. like, like, there are so many privileges that are given to cishet white people, and this world is, America especially, is built for them, and are we just in their neurodivergent world? That fits that, and so we're we've all tried to structure ourselves around that and told that we're supposed to do that. And there are plenty of people who fit that privileged class who do struggle with neurodivergent stuff that doesn't fit into societal structure. Yes.
1: Thoughts? If you, yeah, there are definitely. I think that if we look at hut, white, upper, middle class-ish. You definitely have more resources to find tools to manage this and to um, have services to help manage this. And so, um, yeah, theirs might be differently managed or differently accepted. Mm -hmm. People who had to grow up managing it differently and to the best of their ability with the no services support that they had or understanding even because they didn't have the service so it's just my kid is doing whatever the fuck this is right so i think i think yes squiggly brains happen across the board um but the services and support that people can get vastly change how they can be managed Mm
0: -hmm. yeah yeah it has me thinking about like some of the clients that we work with who whose parents caught it and were able to give the kid resources early on so the kid could you learn tools early on and the parents who didn't catch it or weren't able to catch it or didn't have the resources for when the person was a kid and now they're an adult and trying to figure out what to do with it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, one thing for our students that I do want to say is that neurodivergence does qualify under the ADA Act. And so this is something if you are struggling in school that you can get accommodations for. Um, one of I think one of the obvious ones is uh, test-taking. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're not good at test-taking. Um, and so whether that's you need to be in a quiet room or you need long, more time or you need to do it on a certain type of screen or you need to do it on paper versus, you know, whatever whatever this is, um, the disability department at the school is there to help you do that and figure that out. Um, and your professor cannot um, grade against you because you need those accommodations. Correct. What are we missing? In NeuroSpicy in the end? Outside of more coffee? <laughs> Always. <laughs> Always more coffee.
1: Um, I don't know. I think, uh, I think the thing that we said before is that, like, these things, they show up differently for different people. Mm -hmm. And if you have any of these traits and they're causing you distress in some way, then that gets to be valid. Mm -hmm. And I had a conversation with a client earlier this week about, like, am I appropriating this or am I taking up space in a space that maybe necessarily I don't belong in. And it was a conversation of like, does this cause you distress? And is this, you know, something that you're struggling with? And if the answer is yes, then that bigger answer is no, right? Like you are taking up space in the way that you need to. And we all deserve to be able to participate socially and however however else that we want to in a way that feels safe and fair and equitable Mm -hmm. and inclusive, Mm
0: -hmm. so. Yeah, and I I love that your client is thinking in that way and checking that privilege, because that's a great conversation to have with you, but it's also a great conversation that they can have with their trusted friends and the people in their lives to see how it's affecting others because we don't just because we're neurodivergent we don't get a pass to put that on other people um and so it's it's a balancing act
1: yeah absolutely i definitely find i'm asking i ask for things like i just need just give me a second i will figure this out (laughs) but i I need more of your time to to let me do that right Mm -hmm. Uh, i need you to fix X, Y, and Z for this.
0: Yeah, and thankfully you are uh, gracefully edit and fix everything that I write, uh, <laughs> as well as uh, Jenny. My girl is another therapist. You're both excellent at that and very graceful when you look at my sentences and go, "Nope, that is not what Renee meant." <laughs> so <I don't laughs> deeply <know>.
1: appreciated. <laughs> I still think the memory thing is funny.
0: Awesome. Well, thank you for chatting about this. I know this is one that um, we talk about a lot um, and is important to to both of us. So it's good to to start that conversation out loud.
1: Yeah. So other people can hear us and understand.
0: <laughs> <it. Maybe. laughs> yeah. So sorry when all my emails don't make sense. Yeah. No, you know why. <laughs> Love it. Yeah. Okay. Well, we will have you back in a couple weeks. It's always great to talk to you. Yeah. Thanks. See you later. Bye. Bye.
1: Thanks for joining us. If you're in California looking for a therapist, visit our website at openspacetherapycollective.com and book a free intro call with one of our therapists to see if we're the right fit for you. My Therapist is Out is an Open Space Therapy
0: Collective podcast.
1: Our therapists are Kristen Crow, Debbie White, Jenny Nigro, Tara Friedman, and Renee Johnson. Our admin communications coordinator is Riley Andresen. Our podcast editing is done by Smash and Grab Studio. We'd love to hear your thoughts on today's topic. Leave us a comment below or email us at info at openspacetherapycollective.com. You can find us on TikTok at openspacetherapy and on YouTube and Instagram at openspacetherapycollective. If you're enjoying My Therapist is Out, please rate, comment, and subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and our YouTube channel. Thanks for listening.